I'd been meaning to put up our interviews and all these other special talks uh, about catch wrestling up on some sort of uh, podcast platform, and I'd actually been looking around, and um, now I think Anchor.fm is uh, probably one of the best bets for you. Uh, you the inter- user interface has actually gotten much better. Um, it's free. They also have all these different tools, that, which I think work much better than they used to, uh, to edit and everything, so you can uh, put up a nice podcast, which we'll get more into later, so hopefully everything gets smoother later on. Um, also, they distribute your podcast for you, so it shows up on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, everything like that, and you can also get sponsorships. So uh, go ahead and check it out. Here with the Catch Wrestling Alliance, and we keep real wrestling alive with your support. So, thank you very much for watching or listening. Um, so, yeah, we're also available in podcast format. If you didn't know that, uh, and if you're if you've only discovered us through the podcast, then uh, you know you can also watch this live stream on uh, Twitch or YouTube, uh, whatever is most convenient for you. Uh, just letting you guys know that we're available on these different platforms. Um, all right, so uh, let me give you a little bit of background about myself before we get into the subject. So, because uh, <laughs> the subject is uh, big athletes versus small athletes, and um, I think for I th- maybe not for uh, some higher level athletes, but I think just the the vibe in general seems to be uh, people. Uh, think of like the larger athlete so like the big guys are definitely gonna smash a little guy um actually kind of remind, <laughs> reminds me of uh, one bugs bunny cartoon this really old one where um uh bugs bunny has to go up against the the world champion wrestler at that time professional wrestler and uh the guy named the guy is huge and his name is the crusher and um, but of course, Bugs Bunny is small and skinny, and he uh, is able to outwit the pro wrestler and win, right? Um, so anyway, that's a cartoon, but but it kind of shows kind of the, the theme of what I'm going to be talking about today, um, where oftentimes it's not what people believe it is where with regards to catch wrestling specifically, where in a way like size isn't the end all be all. Yes, you do want to be strong. You want to take care of yourself. Um, so, um, you know, just make sure that you're fit. Right? But once you're fit and you have skill, a lot of times it is the implementation of your skill and your strategies that really help you to win regardless of how big or small you are. All right. So um, let's go ahead and give some examples from history. So a lot of the wrestlers from Wigan uh, back in the day, right? So 1800s and early 1900s were smaller guys. Like they're not, they weren't like these uh, six foot guys. They were actually, uh, we, we consider like uh, more like five, six or, you know, like these uh, kind of uh, average, I don't, know, I don't know, it depends on your country what average height is, but they weren't particularly tall or particularly strong. Same thing even with uh, Frank Gotch and Farmer Burns and all that. Like, even though they were competing at heavyweight, so heavyweight was lighter back in those days. Uh, also, um, or it was just over a certain amount 
of weight. So you have like a, a guy like uh, Farmer Burns, who was probably more like your average looking, uh, like kind of skinny farm guy. And uh, he was going up against guys much larger than himself and beating them, beating them, like pinning them, w uh, winning against them. And they were much more muscled, uh, taller. And so that shows that like with superior intellect and a superior strategy uh, and the implementation of those strategies and techniques that the smaller person can win. Right. So what do we um, like, where can we go from here with regards to helping you to understand this, this notion is um, like there's different things. Right. And uh, one of the things that is kind of jumping to my mind is the um, one thing that my good buddy, John Strickland on the East coast uh, wrote or said about catch wrestling. Um, you want to think about, like with regards to like you and then when you're looking at your opponent, um, it's not necessarily you going up, up against their their size, right, their mass. <clears throat> but you can think it's like you can put it simply where it's like your body going up against one of their limbs, right? So you can start controlling maybe their arm or you can start trying to control a leg. Um, and so you're not necessarily going to try to uh, – grab the bull by the horn, so they, as they say, right? Because that's going to be difficult, right? If you just, or if you try to say like, uh, keeping with the bull analogy, you know, it's much more difficult to control a bull by grabbing it around the waist, right? Because it's got, you can't even close your hands around a large animal, like a bull or a cow, right? So, um, so how can you somewhat control them, right? It's usually by getting the smaller parts. Yeah, you know, sometimes, yeah, maybe you can, Maybe you can grab the the horns and twist them around, but uh, it's not necessarily um, the the best thing to be doing. Um, and actually, I saw a lot of uh, uh, like in in China when I was there. Um, there was one region where they do their version of bullfights, where instead of having a human fight a bull, they actually allow two bulls to go at it, and then whichever bull backs off first. Is that's the loser, right? So they, they headbutt a few times and then one gets scared and kind of, you know, backs off. And then, so then they declare the other one the winner, the one that didn't back off, right? But then when the owner of the bull has to get control of the bull, right? So then cause they want to take it out of the arena. Uh, all they do is actually they, uh, they wrap some uh, rope around one of the legs and so that the bull just doesn't run away or whatever. And that's, so it's kind of getting to my point where it's like uh, they're able to uh, regain control of the bull by just the one limb, right? Uh, so that's kind of one analogy where it's actually an animal one. But same same idea when you're when you're competing or grappling, um, you, you know, you you can more easily control someone not by grabbing them around the waist and trying to suplex them because even when you see freestyle wrestling or uh, Greco-Roman wrestling, if when they do those kinds of things and maybe they'll get a big suplex or whatever uh, when the person falls down and if they have their hands and legs unrestrained, then they have a lot of strategy. They can, they can pop back up or in the case of freestyle, then they, they tend to pancake out, like they flatten themselves out. Um, but anyway, it's like uh, if it was an MMA situation, right, then their, <clears throat> and their arms are unrestrained, 
they're going to try to do some reversal. They might try to stand back up. They might try to do some kind of submission counter to you if you're just if your arm is uh, like if your arms are around their waist. Or there's plenty of incidents like a really famous one that involves Sakuraba, right? He uh, uh, against Henzo. Henzo was kind of behind him, and then Sakuraba was able to secure the double wrist lock position, and ultimately he broke Henzo Gracie's arm that way. So um, that's one of the reasons why you don't necessarily want to be attacking the, the whole body, right? So uh, usually if you want to, and especially if you're a smaller person, uh, but this really goes for everybody. It's like <clears throat> you're not going to um, go for the like the biggest part. You can start breaking them down into little component parts and attacking those because <clears throat> your entire body against the arm, so kind of like an arm bar, is going to be more successful than you trying to uh, just grab someone and you know suplex them until they they get knocked out or something like that. Excuse me, I think uh, I'm gonna I gotta clear my throat. <clears throat> All right, so um, that's kind of one of the things I really I really like the uh, the way John Strickland put it about that where it's like it's think about your body against one of their limbs. Um, I do think that's kind of the the way to implement um, this kind of idea where it's like if you're the smaller person, don't necessarily worry so much about um, like going up against a larger person, right? Uh, a lot of times it's just about staying calm, <clears throat> uh, trying to uh, break that other person down to component parts. One of the things um, that I would kind of, <laughs> or one of the analogies that I that I used in my mind, like I, uh, when when I was younger, <clears throat> I enjoyed playing that game Tetris. Um, so I tried to, um, I didn't try, it just kind of came out where when I was competing, whether, and a long time ago, I competed more in kickboxing and stuff. So um, uh, I would just kind of associate their, the opponent's body as like those different pieces in Tetris. And then, uh, uh, so I wouldn't necessarily try to get intimidated by the person in front of me especially if they want to try and knock me out, right? So, so I wouldn't necessarily get scared by that. So I tried to break it down to these component parts, these pieces coming at me, and I would uh, be able to move around uh, the shapes that are coming towards me. And then I can try to find the – I can fit into the spaces that um, are available to me or manipulate some of the, the these shapes that are coming at me. So I'm not thinking about the scary – intimidating roid rated out. <laughs> I don't know if they're, they're all on uh, roids or they're just kidding, but um, you know, it's a, there's different aspects. So the mental aspect that can play a part as well, um, where you're kind of, you got to kind of break the person down uh, to kind of like the component parts so that you can better uh, gain the advantage uh, over these component parts and not the entirety of a person. Right. So, kind of going back to that whole bull analogy, it's like some people are, are people are strong, right? And especially if they, they're competitors and uh, they're doing all the strength and conditioning stuff, they're going to resist you with a lot of force, right? And so um, you don't want to be resisting them with all your force because you're going to get tired, right? So it's better... It's better if you like if you're sparring with someone or you're you're in a match with someone. If you feel like they are 
using a lot of force against you, let them, right? Um, let them get tired, right? especially the longer the, the round or the match is, just let them use that force and you can kind of um, then take advantage once, once you recognize that they are tired, right? And plus, um, going back to the whole idea of smaller versus larger. So say like, I don't know if you saw the, the thumbnail for this, um, this particular video, it, it should be available. You know, if, if you see on our YouTube channel, the thumbnail for this is a, a really cool image of Farmer Burns. He's, he's sparring or he's do, basically he got hired to do the strength and conditioning for um, this one boxer called Jim Jeffries. That, his name was Jim Jeffries. And uh, he actually was a retired boxer, but they brought him out of retirement to fight against Jack Johnson. It's unfortunate. It's a, a kind of unfortunate history because um, uh, because Jack Johnson, who was black, he was the boxing champion and um, people um, really wanted to have a white champion. So they brought a former champion out of retirement uh, to fight against him to hopefully beat him. Right. And so uh, but anyway, Jim Jeffries was the guy. Uh, that they hoped would win, so the, that's why we have that whole like, that that notion of great white hope, right? So um, I don't know if you ever you, you might have heard that <laughs> that because it, it still gets used, and um, um, so anyway, they hired uh, Farmer Burns to be his strength and conditioning coach. But either way, you can see in the picture that uh, Jim Jeffries is much larger than Farmer Burns. There's some other cool pictures of them in a ring sparring. Uh, to try to get Jim Jeffries back into shape because he had already retired. And so he actually was um, uh, like way overweight and stuff. So they were able to get his weight down and get him back into fighting shape. He still lost. Um, but uh, you can see someone smaller. So Farmer Burns uh, probably could just destroy Jim Jeffries in a wrestling match, like no problem. Um, but that shows like the technique, the experience. Uh, so it doesn't matter that uh, Farmer Burns was like much smaller, much like scrawnier, less muscled. Um, it doesn't matter. I'm sure, you know, like we know that, you know, we know that Burns could totally dismantle Jim Jeffries like uh, without, without even thinking about it. Um, and the guy was much bigger. We have um, all kinds of, even, even on some of our matches, um, and this is what people should um, kind of take into consideration. A lot of times catch wrestling matches, um, especially back like in England and stuff, and um, even a lot of these um, uh, visits, like tours that say like uh, uh, Farmer Burns would do, one of the ways he made a lot of money was to actually go to uh, different like mining camps or work camps, and then they would, uh, people would wager uh, uh, like for, um, you know, they, they would wager to see who would win these 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 uh, wrestling matches uh, that would take place on the, in the camps and stuff. So same thing in England. Um, you know, they, there was a lot of, it was like Wigan was a mining town. And, um, and so people would wager, uh, you know, they would spend, you know, for, for entertainment and stuff. And they would wager um, to see who would win uh, these different wrestling matches. And, um, but the thing is, it's like, uh, oftentimes there wasn't like weight divisions. It wasn't like tournaments. It was it was one coach thinking that their wrestler was so skilled, so good that they could take out who you know the other coach's 
wrestler. Um, and so then they would put money on it. And, and, and uh, so it wasn't necessarily a, a uh, weight thing or weight division thing. So that's kind of the history there. So uh, it's, I think it's more of like a modern thing where, you know, we are, like say, like in MMA or, or all kinds of uh, competitive sports, you know, we have these weight divisions and stuff um, to kind of try to make things more fair. But it wasn't always like that. Okay. All right. Seems like a bunch of questions are piling up here. So let's go ahead and start getting to it. Uh, hello, Mazahira. Thank you for watching. Um, Mazahira asked if I love metal music. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm actually, I like a lot of different styles of music. So, yeah, I, there's a lot of different bands I like. Uh, Taquero Man. Did old school catch wrestlers compete with shoes or were some athletes barefoot? Um, uh, it was primarily shoes, primarily shoes. But uh, you'll see some pictures where guys are training at least uh, without shoes. WP, conditioning, technique, and strategy will always overcome size. Yep, that's really a great way to look at it. Um, uh, if you can, but then that was one of the strategies, especially since catch wrestling didn't have time limits. Um, then you can, you know, especially if you, if someone's, uh, coming at you with full force to let them really does, uh, if, if you have enough strategy to, uh, you know, be able to withstand their, their force, they're, they're going to tire themselves out and then you can more easily uh, control them later. Um, Mazahira, they use, they used to catch wrestle with shoes. I think he's just replying to that. Um, yes, shoes, wrestling shoes. And that's one of the reasons why we still have wrestling shoes today in like the Olympics and stuff. Taquero man, did bodybuilding or strength training play a role in catch wrestling? What balance do you recommend for conditioning and grappling? Yes. And I believe even... Uh, there was a lot of influence from the Indians in uh, their kind of strength and conditioning approach. And even if, uh, like, like say, even in England, they, they'll talk about or they, they'll call some things like Indian whatever, like uh, uh, I think like Indian crawl. So I think what, in the United States we call it duck walks. Um, and so um, that's like when you're practicing your double leg, take down and you can you can make it into a solo drill where you kind of uh you're kneeling and you're kind of going kneeling down with one leg and then you can kind of walk across the the mat that way and you're basically doing the double the you know the the movement for the double leg over and over again uh but you're just doing it by yourself and it's, it's often a warm-up uh there's also a lot of other things where um it has indian in the name uh when that, at least when they use it in england so they're, they're, that, that is a very good sign that they, they got it directly from what they were seeing, especially like the, the Kushti wrestlers doing. So that's, um, that's hopefully that answers your question. Uh, but yeah, you definitely want to be in excellent shape. Strength and conditioning should be uh, of the utmost importance. Um, so there, there are some people that, or even some of the old time wrestlers that say like, Oh, wrestling is the best strength and conditioning you can do for wrestling. But 
um, what does the science say? It's yes, it's part of it, but yeah, you have to be supplementing with a well-balanced strength and conditioning routine that will dramatically improve your cardio and minimize your um, your chance for injury. So yeah, you gotta be doing that. Mazahira. Uh, I think bodybuilding and strength training both work. Uh, yes, yes. So, and and there's different modes of training. So you can work on your muscle endurance and all that. So, um, you know, if you can find a really good strength and conditioning coach, I think that'll help. Takero Man 91. Where does the balance with aggression and technique play a role in grappling? Well, the thing is that you don't necessarily want to be. Uh, like you can be aggressive and kind of like imposing your will and all that, um, but you don't want to tire yourself out. So you don't want to gas out. That's the main thing. That's the main problem. So if you can get past the nerves, right, so the mental aspect, sometimes the mental aspect can tire you out. Uh, if you get so stressed out, right, <laughs> or so much anxiety that uh, you get so worked up that when you're actually in there, you feel like you have no energy whatsoever. Um, so if you can get past that, uh, then also you you also want to try to get used to not we say like gassing out. So again, that that shows like the like there's a lot of components that go into it where you can have enough gas in the gas tank that if you overcome the mental aspect, that you can then implement your strategy. You can then um, like withstand some of their aggression or their pushback or their resistance to your implementation of your techniques and your strategy. Um, so having that good solid base of like, so the, that good gas tank, that good strength and conditioning under you, then uh, you can withstand a lot and chances are you can like outlast uh, a really kind of like equally skilled opponent. So hopefully that uh, answers your question. It's like, uh, so if you want to be doing like grappling training uh, most days of the week, go for it. Uh, but you got to be doing some of the cardio and uh, strength training stuff, uh, maybe even uh, three times a week or whatever. I mean, with regards to the weight stuff or like that, and then um, cardio you can do, you know, five to six days a week actually because it's so submaximal, what we call submaximal. So it's not, it's, it's exercise for your heart and lungs. Um, and so um, you can do it five to six days a week. Adriano Ramos, what age did Billy Robinson stop competitive wrestling? Um, I don't know exactly, but he did spend uh, decades doing pro wrestling. So um, while he didn't necessarily do competitive for the longest time, um, he still kept active. Takero Man 91. Uh, how do you create a strategy while in a grappling match? Um, I, I, I told you already. I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> a lot of times it could be different. It depends on the person. Right? It depends on the, the opponent that you have. Um, but a lot of it is, goes back to at least stopping what they're doing. So if they come at you quick, uh, or if they take you down or whatever, they take you down real quick, don't worry, don't worry about it because, 
you have to, or you should have had uh, good training in what we call like the mat wrestling and stuff. So getting that wrist control, getting back to your base. Um, if you get those types of things down, uh, it doesn't matter if someone comes at you real quick, gets you down real quick. Um, you know, you, you can kind of stop a lot of that, or at least start slowing down a lot of their attack and so that you can counter and then implement your, your game plan. All right. So a lot of it is that like risk, con actually risk control is a major thing. So if you can work on, if you can start with trying to get that risk control going, uh, maybe that, that can be a good place to start. Like if you're like now, so Takero man, since you asked that question, uh, when you spar, start with trying to control the other person, like when you're sparring in the gym, you know, and see what, see where that leads you. Or, uh, if they, if you, if you have a training partner that like comes at you really fast and takes you down really fast, see if, how quickly you can try to regain some of the, at least risk control, right. And see, and let that like discover how you can actually stop a lot of their submission attempts uh, just by doing that, just by keeping control of one, even one wrist. Okay. So I think that could be a, a like, like one strategy you can, you can apply while you're grappling, like while in, in the gym with your training partner and then um, see what develops. And then maybe later if you have a competition or whatever, then uh, you can see where that, like you can then implement some of these ideas. Um, like I was talking to one of my training partners the other week, um, because <laughs> this one, this one guy, uh, he's really, really good. He's, he's a purple belt in, uh, 10th planet or whatever. And, uh, uh, and he, so he tries his best to not let me grab him <laughs> when we spar. Uh, but, um, we were kind of talking about a lot of these jujitsu or like no gi jujitsu highlight videos that you'll see where like uh, you know they're they're showing guys in like these big tournaments, uh, especially like no gi tournaments and um, like a lot of these famous or a lot of people who who are famous in grappling um, when they're doing these highlight moves, a lot of times the opponent, um, even if they're kind of well known, it's like they're not even going for risk control, so they're. Uh, basically allowing the other person to just dominate them, right? So even you, you'll be surprised at how how much you can stop just by getting risk control. All right, Takero man. Uh, to add on to my strategy question, I was wondering if you could turn your brain off or should you think and plan while you're dealing with your opponent? Um, uh, don't necessarily turn your brain off, but kind of if you can get into the zone, like they call it, right? So that's where uh, you're kind of moving based off what you're feeling. And so your your brain is still processing everything, but you're not analyzing it so much. And um, so like there's a quote from Billy Riley. So like the famous legendary uh, mega coach from the the original snake pit in wigan like his gym was actually called riley's gym but they later nicknamed it snake pit so he was a coach for billy robinson and uh carl estas and roy wood and you know all the other uh famous guys that um you know that you might have heard of um he said if you're in a match and you think 
that you can, you're in a situation where you think like, oh, I can do this move. It's already too late to do that move, right? So a lot of it is training, repetition, drills, uh, sparring time, you know, mat time, getting the experience, knowing, and it's kind of like knowing the feeling of when a move is correct. So hopefully that kind of, or that's kind of a way to uh, help you to understand where it's like knowing the feeling of when to do a move and not necessarily uh, thinking too much about like, oh, I can do this move now, right? Because if you think that, then I really agree with Billy Riley. If you're thinking that now is the time to do a move, that was the time to do the move and you're not doing it or you didn't do it at the proper time. So now it's probably too late, right? The person's already moving or maybe they've even um, kind of sensed that you're going to like what you're trying to set up, right? They can smell what you're cooking. So then they're already going to, uh, counter or you know set up they're gonna start cooking something else right so um, i think that's one of the ways you want to think about it where it's like uh, remember how it feels to uh, be in a position where you can kind of know where they are um even and there's a lot of moves especially in wrestling where um, you can kind of uh, know where they are without being able to see them like in wrestling we're fine if someone uh like takes our back because there's so many like escapes and stuff so um so because we kind of know where they are, you kind of sense where they are. So then uh, it's really easy to counter. Uh, or they, And so then when you feel that, that the time is right to do your counter move, then you do it in the proper time. Yeah. All right. Taquero man, thanks for the risk control tip. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. Brain off. Zone. Flow state. That's what I meant. Yep, exactly. And actually, we do have I have an interview with this one of my uh, colleagues who's a psychiatrist talking about flow states, and that's that that is that should be on one of our playlists on our channel. You can uh, check it out. It's me and uh, you can see a picture of me and a woman uh, that is uh, Dr. Meredith Sagan, and she she's a really well known and really successful. Uh, I don't want to say successful, like thinking like money or anything like that, but successful at treating patients, um, all kinds of patients from prisons to, um, you know, for, to the affluent, uh, helping them with, with, uh, their, their mental situations. So it's really cool. So yeah, go and check out her. Uh, I, I we do three videos together and that, that's on our channel and there should be a, a playlist. Um, even the, I think the playlist for a lot of these, uh, interviews and stuff like that. So good. make sure you check that out because uh, uh, she's really brilliant. All right. Uh, Adriano Ramos. That's a great tip. Cool. I'm happy to help out. Uh, is catch wrestling really physical chess? Um, really? Um, <laughs> like all martial arts are, uh, are like that, but um you know, all combat sports, you know, because uh, it's really two brains kind of going up against each other. Your brain's like the the command center, right? So in your body uh, is the, the troops, right? So if you want to think less militaristically, then you can think your brain is the conductor and your body is the orchestra, right? So you're, you're creating beautiful music, right? And uh, uh, you, your, your music is going to counter their, their, cacophony of <laughs> their bad sounding uh music right so uh that's one way you can think about it uh but uh the one thing about pure or like uh like authentic catch wrestling is 
kind of going back to the idea where uh, there's no time limits. So then strategies can change, right? So no points, no time limits. So who cares if someone takes you down? Uh, if you're really good at mat wrestling, right? So if you're really good at wrestling, once you've been taken down, there's really nothing to worry about. Go ahead and let them take you down. You know, you can you can uh, slow down their progression. You can slow down. Um, you can slow down their attack, right? And hopefully, you can then overcome their attack, wear them down, allow them to just gas themselves out. Then you can more easily take control, get that pin or the submission hold, right? So um, that that in a way, I believe, kind of sets. Uh, catch wrestling apart and I mentioned this in another talk where it's like a long time ago I think the first time that I trained in Wigan and uh, I did a competition for them uh, beforehand uh, coach Roy Wood told us that this is the closest thing we can get to a real fight and uh, I think some people would would say that like, oh, well, like MMA is probably the closest you can get to a real fight because, you know, you can punch and kick and stuff. But just think about it. So MMA has a ref that will uh, break up the action, right? If nothing's really happening, they'll stand you both up or, you know, s separate you or uh, reset you or or if, uh, if you happen to be grabbing the cage, you know, they'll, they'll hit your hands so you stop grabbing the cage. So in catch wrestling, well, then also MMA has rounds, right? So in catch wrestling, there's no rounds. The ref is just there to uh, do, like to mark a pin, right? To make sure that uh, you actually pin that person for the proper amount of time, um, and or just to make sure that you guys ultimately stay safe, right? So, uh, so like if someone is tapping out, that they stop the match, that that, and that's pretty much it, right? So, so you. Uh, you know, if you're getting smashed and you are not tapping out, then the ref's not going to do anything and you have to get yourself out. So in that way, it can be more realistic than um, like an MMA match. All right. So in that way, in that way, it's like so like we, like how people always try to say like, well, on the street, there's no ref and there's no whatever. So in catch wrestling, it's it's basically that way as well. Um, you know, you 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 can get beat all you know all over all over the area you know all over the the competition area uh and no one's really going to stop it unless you tap out or get pinned all right um let me see uh do you taquero man do you think training with aggressive competitors is beneficial or do you think that there's a trade-off of diminishing returns. Um, what you want to do is train with very skilled. Like if you, if you can get the most skilled people you can, or if you can train with, uh, say, if, if you're training with jujitsu people, and if you can train with purple belts or higher frequently, great. Because chances are they're going to just uh, help you to improve uh, because they they already are beyond the novice stage. Of learning, so those are probably going to be the people that are going to uh, give you the the best, like uh, most rewarding training session. Uh, you can do a little bit with um, some people who do freestyle wrestling and stuff like that, but they just have to be willing to 
go nonstop. So with jujitsu, at least um, they're used to um, not being stood up so much. So I think that that can be a little bit more beneficial, and especially since there are more no-gi competitions around. It's, you know, it's getting even more and more popular every week and stuff. So um, chances are a no-gi competitor will uh, probably be more beneficial for you. All right. Uh, what do you think is more important, grappling, attacking first? Or what do you think is more important in grappling, attacking first or countering? Depends on the situation, but yeah, go ahead. And, the main thing is that you're not trying to, or what I see is that, or what I call kind of running away or stalling or whatever, just as long as like you grab that person, you know, go up to them and touch them, right? So let's see what happens, right? So, because um, uh, you, you'll see sometimes where it's like people are kind of, they're starting a match and like they're trying to reach and then if someone tries to grab them and they try to yank their hand out of the grasp or whatever, uh I I don't think that's proper. Right? So it's like you're you're in a grappling match, so let's uh, let's get to it. So start grabbing each other and like see what happens. Yeah, so it depends. Um, you know, if if they're really aggressive coming at you, hey, go for it. Let's let's take this to the ground and then uh, see who ends up on top. Um, is there any good concepts you recommend for solid grappling defense? Yeah, don't uh, let them control your limbs, right? And and if you're doing no gi, then uh, uh, no proper choke defense. Um, but yeah, if the better you learn what, what we call mat wrestling, uh, the less uh, the less you'll get submitted. Um, also, this is kind of one of the things that uh, Billy Robinson really tried to instill in me, and uh, uh, is that whole idea where it's like if they like, don't necessarily worry about the takedowns. Uh, at least at first, right? The first thing you want to be working on is the mat wrestling. So work on those counters, work on uh, getting off your back and, you know, all these different things that are involved once you get down to the mat. Uh, and then later you can work on developing your takedowns because if you do takedowns first, um, it might be great to uh, get the person down. But if you go up against someone who's good and they counter you, and um, you end up on the bottom and you haven't really been drilling all the mat wrestling stuff, you don't know what to do, then you're going to be really stuck, you're going to be really frustrated, and then in future uh, sparring or future matches, you're going to be more scared to attempt your takedown. And the whole idea is not to be scared during your match. So um, the better you are at the mat wrestling, then you can just jump in and go for, like even, even – uh, but the Americans uh, we will, will say like uh, you can go for a leg dive, right? So it's almost you can you can think of it just that simply, where it's like you actually just kind of throw yourself down towards the legs of that person, and who cares if they sprawl? Because uh, at least you're already going to the mat, right? <clears throat> so that <clears throat> that can be one of the things where it's like, yeah, you want to be working on the defense, the ground stuff, the mat wrestling. Right, so I think in uh, <clears throat> in jujitsu they call it what newaza, right? So all the ground stuff, uh, jujitsu and judo and stuff, they call it newaza, I believe. Um, so the mat wrestling, so in particular the wrestling, mat wrestling, not so much the jujitsu or judo newaza, uh, but the whole idea of uh, staying off your back, getting all these counters, getting back on top, that is uh, really going to like 
really going to enhance your your um, your grappling overall, really, really, verily, bigly. Right? <laughs> All right. So keep on asking those questions, um, and then we'll get back to. Oh yeah, there's another question coming in. So is there any female pioneers when it comes to catch wrestling? I'm not sure. There were some uh, wrestling shows that had women, um, but yeah, there's very few. I think, unfortunately, at that time, like in the, you know, back in the day, uh, it was still kind of considered like, oh, this is a man's thing or whatever, which is really unfortunate. So hopefully we can get more women into catch wrestling. And um, uh, yeah, because, yeah, just because like why not you know anybody like like we're talking about big versus small it's like uh if you have a uh uh smaller woman still able to beat a bigger guy that's that's great and it it will then i think it can help to prove the whole idea that uh it's all about technique and skill and learning and knowing when to implement certain techniques or certain strategies um yeah so that might it'll probably uh, shock some maybe some some male chauvinists or whatever, um, but um, you know like who cares? Who cares? It's really you know it's a sport, and then when you want to think about the Olympics and stuff like that, it's like one of the criteria one of the criteria for getting your sport into the Olympics is that men and women do it, right? It's not they're trying to not be like uh, this like like thing where it's like oh like. We'll, we'll let your sport in if you only, you know, if it's like a sport that only allows men to do or only allows women to do, that's not, that's not uh, kind of in the, the spirit of what people are considering to be like the spirit of the Olympics, even though it's like there, there's like well, Greco, I think, I don't even know if that has a women's division. Um, so anyway, they, they, they didn't, maybe the, the Olympics didn't necessarily start like that, but that's kind of the direction they're going. So that's why you're having all these different sports that are being included is, is just because they have uh, men and women, a large amount of men and women doing this sport around the world. But um, so we, yeah, hopefully we can get more women doing it. Yeah. Um, did any of you guys watch the, the video we put out for uh, at least the first video that we put out for Attack on Titan, the counter. Um, let me know if you guys liked it. Hopefully you guys like it because uh, we got a couple more coming out for um, those those fights uh, in that in that anime. Right. So uh, you know, just let me know. Let us know what you think. Uh, definitely trying to find some more realistic fight scenes. Um, also to uh, there's some really cool, um, actually some, speaking of women, there's in, in one championship and I think I, I've told you guys, like we'll definitely focus more on showing you fight breakdowns from one championship as opposed to UFC because one championship is actually okay with us using their video footage. One, uh, UFC really does not, does not like that. So it's weird. Like you'll find some videos on YouTube where it's like, it shows the majority of the fight. And I don't know why those don't get taken down, but at least my videos, if I put even like a short clip of something that happened in a UFC fight, it's almost it's almost uh, inevitable that UFC will try to take my video down. So uh, I have to remove that those few seconds. So um, 
I just don't even want to deal with it. And, and I think a lot of the one championship fights are even more interesting. Uh, a lot of the one championship fights, uh, fighters have better striking, like anyway, so better striking skills. So, uh, but anyway, there's a there's a match that happened a few weeks ago uh, that has some really cool grappling in it. So we're going to do a breakdown on that as well coming up, as long uh, along with uh, a few more Attack on Titan uh, breakdowns as well. Uh, does Bellator, so Takeru Man, does Bellator allow us to use their content? I don't know, actually. I had never tried. All right, so that's kind of funny. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I guess I don't pay that much attention to Bellator, or at least I don't see the footage floating around as much, but the footage of one championship is, you know, it's, it's all over the place. So, like, they're, they're on Instagram and uh, and YouTube. You know, they, they, they put out full fights. Uh, so they're really generous on... Um, on that and and also like you can kind of easily find out like the the backgrounds of some of the fighters like what their fighting styles are you can do a, a lot of that stuff you can find out a lot of that stuff very easily uh, for one championship all right so yeah we have all those different things coming up uh you can also uh help support us uh by becoming a member of the channel of this youtube channel um i think the minimum is like two dollars a month that all really helps because uh, you definitely want to be getting back to um getting back to normal since uh like in a few days on the 15th of this month los angeles county will or i think maybe even the majority of california will uh, like remove the a lot of the covid mandate stuff so let's see if we can't get back to uh, having competition so if you're if you become a member just know that uh, any contributions you make will be going to uh, like having more uh, competitions. So, and anything is appreciated. Uh, Adriano Ramos, can you do a video on how to get out of bottom position? Yes, there are several ways, and I've done a few. I did four in a row. Of course, it's not every not every way to get out from bottom. But I did a, a series of four, and I made a little playlist of it. So uh, see if you can't find that on our channel. I know we've got a lot of playlists on there, but if you go to our YouTube channel and then you see uh, playlist, if you go to the playlist tab, then you should be able to find like I think it's like wrestling from bottom. So there's at least four videos in there, and you know I could try to add more. But if uh, go ahead and um, if you watch those videos, if you have any any additional questions just let me know and then we can kind of if, if there's some scenario or something that you find yourself in often then and it's not in it's not solved by one of those four videos we can try to um we can see what we can do for you like try to find an answer for you Takero man what are the goals for catch wrestling uh within the next five years yeah just continue doing what we're doing uh see if we can't uh you know, build up the sport and especially the authentic version of catch wrestling. Uh, I know there's uh, different people doing uh, some kind of make-believe version of catch wrestling. So it's unfortunate because, uh, uh, like, say, like back in the day, you know, catch wrestling uh, with really strong people with really strong wrestling fundamentals were able to beat a lot of uh, people from different martial arts backgrounds. Um, 
So that's what we want to do. Create really strong uh, catch wrestlers who know the real thing and are able to uh, win against other styles. So uh, if you guys are interested in something like that, you know, and you don't live in LA um, or if you don't live in South Carolina, so John Strickland's in South Carolina, I'm here in Los Angeles. If you can't train with either of us, then you can do our Catch Wrestling Alliance Academy. That's on our website. Um, but yeah, feel free to ask questions, especially if you're in the academy, you don't live nearby. Um, yeah, you know, message me and then, you know, we can still be working on a plan specifically for you. Okay. So I think maybe I, I've spoken enough this weekend or this week, uh, I'm getting ready for the weekend. Uh, thinking about the weekend already is just kind of coming out of my mouth. All right. So, um, so thank you for listening. I think we'll go ahead and end this here. So let's try to keep real wrestling alive. Thank you.